You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle, and we are live on location uh, in New Orleans. I almost forgot where I am because all these convention sites all look the same, and you never know where you're at. I imagine if you did this every weekend, like you work for uh, the Charles Koch Institute, and your job is events, and you're going to every Hyatt Regency on the eastern seaboard, you lose track of where you're at. That's... Uh, but I am in New Orleans at the National Libertarian Convention. It's been a very fun weekend. I've had a, a really good time, and uh, we have done all of the interviews. We're just kind of setting them up here, and I am joined by three folks. First and foremost, Ryan Hold, welcome back. How are you? I am doing well. All right, good to talk to you. Ryan, how are you? Doing awesome. Ryan Graham from where? Atlanta. Okay. <clears throat> I'm the vice chair of LP Georgia. Okay. LP Georgia? Yep. Wait, wait a minute. Uh <laughs> We don't, we don't talk to him anymore, so uh, okay. don't worry about that. He's not in communication with us. You know, uh, he's I not had involved in any way. I had to talk to Bittner last weekend. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, and then pounding a bottle of wine is uh, is uh, Kristen from where? Texas. Well, I got to hold it like Sorry, this. Sorry, yeah, Texas. There, there you go, Texas. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, you know, you have been such a help to me, Kristen. You've been a great personal assistant this weekend. You're without welcome. without even me asking you to be my personal assistant, I'm just like, I need water, and then all of a sudden a bottle of water would show up. What is it like following me around on a daily basis? Oh, it's like wrangling a child sometimes. <laughs> right. It's like, hi, we have to do this right now. So, you know, oh, I have to have it this close it to my this mouth. This close. This feels really uncomfortable. Mm. So I love that mic. Pretend it's a bottle. Right. Oh yeah, I could pretend <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. It's like wrangling a child. Right. So I have to, you know, look at the clock and show you and say, you know, look, it's three fifty seven, so we have to we have how, to start moving in this direction. How long does it take me to get anywhere? Um I would say a good twenty five to thirty minutes right. is a minimum. <laughs> like I I I'm just I basically I'm a baby. It's what it is. I'm a giant baby. And uh, so she has helped keep keep me on track here. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people. I'm, I'm a social butterfly, aren't I? Yeah, for sure. You, you are an introvert. You don't get it. No, I'm not introverted. You're not? Just, no, no, I just don't know these people. Oh, that's true. So I'm learning. I'm it's, taking it all in. This is your first convention, right? Yes. Reinhold, how many for you? This is my first First convention? After, yeah. Even since 92, this is the first time I've actually oh, wow. made it to convention. Oh, what happened in 92? Well, I mean, <laughs> since 92, it's just always, there's always been work involved or some family thing or something Oh, you're something saying else. since ni- you joined in 92? Yeah, I joined in 92. Okay. And this I, is the first time I've been able to make it, actually, to the convention. Okay, because I don't know about you, Ryan, but I thought he went to the convention in 92 but got too drunk to go to it. Something like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound all that all that unreasonable, actually, being here now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Last night was pretty rough. Yeah, mm-hmm. now, yeah it was. <laughs> how about you? It's my first convention as well. I, I was involved in the party back in 2016 when we did the Orlando one, but I didn't bother coming to the convention. Right. Uh, so let's let's start with you, Ryan. Let's go down the line. Uh, what are your general impressions of it? Oh man, I was really worried that this was going to be a complete shit show. Uh, well, I don't, are we cussing on this now? Go for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, I was really worried this was going to be a complete shit show, and I was a little worried whether or not I wanted to even come. Um, but it is awesome being in a place with so many people who agree with you. 
uh, and seeing <laughs> such a massive group of people that that are mostly yeah mostly on your side. That's <laughs> right. Side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, for for the record, rent is not theft, and no, uh, pro- not. private property rights are uh, totally a thing. Even so, if you totally make good points in the beginning. That's right. So whatever you whatever you heard coming out of this convention, th- those are still standard libertarian views. Uh, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's been fun. So what about you, Reinhold? What you you know? You, like you're my LP historian. I'm just so surprised that you've never been to a convention. I've never been. I've watched mo- a lot of them Christy's on TV, here. and we'll have to get yeah, we'll have to get Christy. Over. Yeah, Christy Avery um, just came in. I'm her biggest fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it. So I've watched them, but it's a difference between when you watch them on the on the, uh, on the on the live feeds or on the C-spans you're only seeing the the room right. right you're not seeing all the stuff that's going on outside and all the people talking and the discussions and the backroom deals and everything else that happens so experiencing that was the best part of it right. for me so yeah uh, i i have found that this convention more than any of the i don't know if it's 4 or 5 i think it's 4 uh, this has been the one with the most new people like even even more than uh, most of the time, the off year, the non presidential convention, because they're every two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years from now, it'll be in Austin, Texas. And what I have found is that you get a lot of new people in the con- in, in the presidential, presidential year, but not not even that many, just because a lot of people aren't kind of activated yet by the presidential campaign. That happens later through the summer, but. This there are more new people at this convention than I can uh, I can remember, and to be honest, I think a lot of it has to do with Joshua Smith. Like Joshua Smith traveled to over twenty conventions, and really, when I talk to delegates, you'll hear through this interview, a lot of people were very excited by Joshua Smith. Now he didn't win chair; it ended up uh, Nick Sarwark got reelected at sixty five percent. We're recording this on Monday night at the convention. Uh, it is day three of business. Tomorrow's the fourth and final day, and we'll find out who the vice chair, secretary, treasurer, at large, uh, and, and the rest of the business will be closed. Well, uh, I will be leaving in the morning, so we're recording this tonight. Uh, Josh Smith is actually running for at large now too. He's, okay, he's announced. Yeah, yeah, then I'm sure he will, and I, I and I'm sure he'll probably win. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I would have. I, I was very opposed to him being chair but i would stand up and nominate him for at large right probably. absolutely his passion uh seemed to be really but, important but i don't think it's all that either i think a lot of it has to do with the 2016 campaign and all the people that gary johnson reached too there right. are a lot of people who are here who, because of gary johnson bringing them into and, show, and showing them that there was an idea other than what they were used to with the the left and the right one very prominent libertarian what, what was that? Explain what at large is. Yes, so at large is when the body votes in uh, uh, at large representatives to the actual convention. Um, sidling up to me is the lovely Christy Avery. Christy, how are you doing? Hi. Wow. Shove that big thing in my face, will ya? <laughs> oh my! Wow. Somebody's ready for the I gala. Like her even it got, more it got weird in so, here. Somebody's drinking. <laughs> she. Ha- You've been drinking since like eight a.m., haven't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you had, like, she's, like, she texted me at, like, 8 a.m., and she's, like, man, Mountain Dew and, what is it, Mountain Dew and... Cucumber lime vodka, and that's 9 o'clock my time. (laughs) Okay. And so Christy is ready to party. She's ready for the gala that's uh, happening tonight. Uh, And so, you know, I... I ha- I think uh, Joshua brought a lot of people. Now, if you're completely... uh, bored by libertarian party politics then this episode's not going to interest you we talked to um several different people 
Uh, Nick Sarwark, we talked to Matt Kneel. Can you help me, Reinhold? Kunal? Kunal, yes. Yeah, yeah Kunal. I, w- I was saying Kunal, Kunal, but I'm sure that's wrong. I said it in the beginning of the interview. Yeah, I, I was saying Kunal for a long time. Just call him a communist. Uh, Kunal, <laughs> but now I guess it's Kunal. Now, uh, uh, great kid, wrong about a lot of stuff. Yeah, so Matt. Great speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's I, passionate and he's. Totally wrong. Um, no, not totally wrong. Okay. Wrong on one thing. 80? Communism. Right. And he is a hard worker. Right. But he's, yeah. he's for anarchism, which is good. He says, right. well, get the anarchism, and then we can do our own thing, which everybody else says the same thing, too. Yeah. Uh, so he reminded me a lot of James Neese. Mm-hmm. Uh, James is uh, our very own Passionate. James Neese, uh, also a mutualist and also a shit poster. So uh, with that, let's start with the communist. How about we start with the communist? And really, because I think this is, the, this is the one interview out of all the interviews that I did that really kind of had some... Uh, value that I think if you're not necessarily, I'm posing for a photo, <laughs> uh, if you're not necessarily a, uh, a Libertarian Party person, you'll find this interesting. What is Libertarian Socialism? That is the first question that I ask Matt. So check it out. All right. So how do you pronounce your last name? Kino. Kino. Yeah. Yeah. There's an L at the end. It's somewhat silent. Kino. Okay. All right. I'm here with Matt Kino. Now, do you have a title? Like, what's what are you? You running? You ran for chair. Yes. Uh, you, yep. you you didn't succeed in that endeavor, but are you involved in a caucus? Are you a head of a an organization? Like, what what's your title? I guess. Uh, so I'm I'm secretary of the Libertarians of Macomb County. Okay. I am a membership director for the LP Audacious Caucus. Okay. I'm a founding member of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus. Uh, we don't have leadership though. Okay, of course, right? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, All right. Yep. And then you and I'm and I'm also running for state representative, Michigan's 22nd district. All right, so you're doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Spread now, thin. All right. <laughs> I heard a. Uh, obviously, you've been controversial in this convention, but the thing that I've heard most is, I would. I don't know what a libertarian socialist is. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna listen to them. But then, as I've talked to new delegates, as I've talked to a bunch of different people, they've been actually pretty impressed with you as you kind of explain what you believe and what a libertarian socialist is, what is it? I mean, libertarian socialist is a large tent. Uh, It's really what we would call classical libertarianism. Uh, It stems from the Proudhon mutualism. It goes into the uh, Bakunin, uh, Bookchin, uh, these kind of writers that were were anarchists in the 1800s. Let's pretend I know who any of those people are. Explain it. Explain it to me. I of course know Matt, but f- for those who don't know, ex- explain like who those thinkers are and and what their relevance is in your thinking. So, it, it really stems from a lot of Marx's writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marx's definition of communism was stateless, classless, and absent markets, mm-hmm. uh, completely non-hierarchical society. Uh, So there's a distinction now between a communist and an anarcho-communist or a libertarian communist. And that that distinction is because of uh, the means uh, that that we seek these societies. Right. So so historically, we have like the Bolsheviks who, you know, had a a pretty violent revolution, um, turned into a pretty totalitarian state in an attempt to impose communism. Right. Uh, libertarian communists or anarcho-communists, we believe that abolishing the state, taking away the state's teeth, are the, is the quickest way to reach a society that's absent aggression, absent coercion, absent hierarchy. Right. So 
what does your end definition look like compared to, say, Murray Rothbard's in anarcho-capitalism? Uh, to me, I mean, it, if you look at my pin here, I have a mm-hmm. uh, make Rothbard left again, mm-hmm. rent his theft pin. Right. Uh, and that's kind of leading to his uh, confiscation and homestead principle, okay. where he, he basically says that a lot of the property that we see right now where it's held has been uh, acquired unjustly. So mm-hmm. that come, come anarchy, there's going to be some redistribution. Uh, but anarcho-capitalism still allows for these, uh, the, uh, the accumulation of capital and the violent defense of it, uh, where communism, uh, being completely non-hierarchical, actually seeks the abolishment of scarcity. Mm-hmm. We want to see a society absent of competition and a, a society focused on cooperation. And we think that with automation and the technology of today, it makes it even easier where every home could have a 3D printer, all the factories could be automated, work isn't necessarily required anymore. And if we just worked to just fulfill the the needs of people as opposed to fulfilling the needs of ourselves for selfish reasons, that we could reach the society. So... What what would give people meaning in that system? I mean, work does give people meaning. It does give people an identity. And you remove that. I mean, are you removing work altogether? I mean, uh, it, through I, automation? We do have the uh, Abolish Work Affinity Group in the Lib- Liber- Libertarian Socialist Caucus. And, and what we mean by that is bullshit jobs. I, uh, I don't know if I could cuss. No, for, yeah. oh, please, <laughs> yes. All right, yeah. So, so bullshit jobs that, that aren't meaning, that, that actually take away your, your ability to spend time with your family, to do your hobbies, to seek things that you think uh, would help people, things that you would feel proud of to take part of, arts and things like that. So... We want to see a society where, you know, yeah, there's going to be some necessity for you to use labor to acquire the needs that you need, but not as much as a system predicated on just selfishness, is, is our opinion anyways. So would it be fair to say, you know, as in 200 years ago, you have to go chop down the tree, that's labor, but you're doing it to build your log cabin. You're not building log cabins for an employer. Exactly. And, okay. and, and nowadays we can 3D print a house. It's, it's not even necessary to, to have a man go out there and trim, cut down that tree, trim it into lumber, put the nails in. You know what I mean? Right. So we're, we've got the technology that's not required anymore. Right. Now, I've always known socialism to be a form of government. How, how does libertarian socialism, how, how does that work together? Socialism, uh, it's, it's the ideal that the workers own their means of production. And in socialist states, uh, we see where the state is almost used as a, a proxy for the workers. Mm-hmm. And so the state is the one taking the, the means and distribute them, distri- distributing them. However, uh, a libertarian socialist seeks to, to empower the individual, to give them the power over their labor. And that results in voluntary associations like work unions. Right. Okay. Now, when you say there should be no private property, here's my problem with a lot of this. It seems antithetical to human nature. It seems that competition is a natural part of human nature. Violence, I would say, is a part of human nature. Obviously, you know, we want to curb violence. I think it's harder to be a libertarian and uh, uh, live by the non-aggression principle than it is to just give into your base nature. how how do you I mean do you disagree with that or, or I mean because I look at your version of the future and I go I just don't see that as a workable solution with the way that human beings are wired based on human evolution. I I think the the to take that stance you're kind of more basing it off of 
uh, history and especially recent history because that's what's most present to us. I, I, I feel differently. I really feel like humans naturally want to help each other, but sometimes we're just too caught up trying to help ourselves survive. Mm-hmm. And, and then sometimes you do have greed in this society where greed is a, is a destructive force. Right. So if you remove that incentive structure for competition, for greed, for selfishness, then people will naturally, appeal, they'll revert to empathy. Basically. Yeah, and, and, and that competition structure is scarcity. Right. And uh, money represents scarcity to me. We, we want to see money abolished. Uh, and so, I mean, all these things, these are things where our views align. Uh, uh, end the Fed. Right. Of course we want to end the Fed. We want to, we want to end every form of right. currency uh, as oppression. So. Well, you struck me in the debate last night. Uh, Chris Thrasher looked at, at you and said, why are you here? And you said, because I don't believe in the government and what other party will have me, <laughs> you know? And, and I thought that was very telling. And I think there is, uh, uh, I don't, I guess a lot of people have told me as I've talked about the chair's race with delegates, uh, and you've come up a few times, obviously. They say, Matt is willing to stand up there and be booed. I mean, you were heavily, you got the biggest crowd <laughs> reaction of the night when you said, uh, what did you say? Well, rent is theft. Rent is theft. And, and I might have got more booze than James Weeks did when he stripped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you when you said private property shouldn't exist, it was like, you know, you had unfurled a Nazi flag. I mean, it was that <laughs> intense in the room. And people really respected that you're willing to stand up there and take that kind of uh, basic negative social cue for, for the sake of what you believe. I mean, why are you? Why did you run for chair? Why are you willing to take that kind of uh, abuse? Why are you? Uh, why are you? Why are you here? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I like I, I explained during the debates. I, I joined this party for Gary Johnson in 2016, and I was a volunteer for him. And we helped build up the Macomb affiliate, and it, that was my entrance into the party. So I, I was pretty ignorant to the uh, philosophies of libertarianism at that point. Right, and I, I fell into anarcho-capitalism for a little bit because that's obviously the most popular in the party, and I, I thought anarchy was such a, a, a great way, and I thought the philosophy was great that I tried to reach out to other anarchists, right, and th- those being left-leaning. Uh, so, so that was really the main goal. Is I just wanted to grow the party with more anarchists. I wanted to get more more people who don't believe in a government to get involved with our party because I believe our party is the best vehicle for somebody who wants to see most if not all of the government abolished right uh so the reason why i stand up here and take abuse and, and online i take plenty of it too is that i'm, I'm not doing it for me I'm, I'm doing it for uh the people that i represent and granted i only had maybe uh six actual libertarian socialist travel states to come <laughs> you, here you got 13 votes <laughs> yeah yeah th- they weren't from libertarian socialists so i guarantee you that because right. yeah we don't we don't have that many numbers we're not trying to take over and we know that's almost uh, impossible at this point. Right. And it's not even uh, something we're looking for. We're just looking for a seat at the table. You're, you're only the second mutualist. Uh, James Neese, who is on our show, it, it ascribes to a lot of the same theories as you. Um, uh, it, although you never know where he comes down. He's a troll. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So you're you're trying to give voice to to an ideology which is really the classic form of anarchism. You know that that first wave of anarchists like Emma Goldman really ascribe to what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. And. Uh, you know, as far as like standing up there and taking the booze, I was smiling and, and it wasn't because I was getting booed. It's because I saw those five people in the back that heard their views represented for the first time ever on a, on a political stage. Right. And they were ecstatic. 
Now, I have to be honest with you, and sorry if this is uncomfortable, but the other thing that people say is, I was really with him until. <laughs> and there's always an until with you. There's always another, like, you, you, you or someone in your caucus does or says something that is audacious, that is over the top. And, and a lot of the things that you said in the debate, you know, they were like, I'm with him. And then you get into it with Josh, Joshua Smith or there's uh, a member of your caucus up front with a dildo. Like, <laughs> there's things that, that uh, people in your crowd are doing that turn off most of the body. Why do you do that when ultimately it keeps you from being taken seriously by a larger majority of people? Uh, to me, the Libertarian Party isn't a large majority. We're a very minor party. So what we're doing is not so much uh, trying to appeal to Libertarians because that's not a winning strategy. What we're trying to do is present a different image of the Libertarian Party to get people who do identify as we do and, and do have the values that we do to join and get active. Right. But you could see why there'd be a lot of skepticism and asking people who... I mean. Some of the complaints, I mean, I know there was the lawsuit threatened by Joshua Smith against you. I can't imagine that that just came out of nowhere. There has to be something that maybe you personally or some of your supporters did to get it to that heated of a level. Uh, that's really what a lot of members rejected in this convention. Why do you think those tactics work? Why do you keep doing them? I mean, honestly, if you, if you look at the, the final vote, I think those tactics do work because Nick Sarwak won by a huge margin in the first round. Um, but as far as Joshua goes, when he first started uh, his campaign for LNC chair, he campaigned on taking away our seat at the table. He, he was running on a purge narrative. And so it was really a defensive move for me to go, okay, I can't have a chair that's going to tell the people I'm trying to recruit that they aren't welcome. Mm -hmm. So it, it, was, it was important to me that I got out there and one, stood up for our ideals, but also made sure that we, we really look at who we're electing. And, and when it came to Joshua, it was really just his record. Uh, he had no history in the party. He had a really sketchy history uh, personally and financially uh, where he was just not a trustworthy person. I wouldn't have gone at him if he wasn't running for chair. And that's where he feels that it was blackmail. But I think he's just new at politics and he doesn't understand the scrutiny that a, a candidate will go through. Right. So you don't ascribe to the, the theory that, poli that that we should strive to be better in politics and be kind. You can present some of that information in maybe a way that is a little more constructive. I mean, I, I, that, when I watch this campaign and I watch the debate and I watch sort of what you, you two have done back and forth, I go, there's more constructive ways of doing this than maybe just kind of leaking stuff on Facebook. Um, I, I'll, I'll be I, honest. Uh, part of my strategy in opposing Joshua was to get him to be himself. And, and the, I, I knew he would be easily goaded because that's who he is. And, uh, and he didn't have the demeanor. And I knew I could uh, get that out in the public and have him take, take himself down, basically. Right. Well, there's, there, I mean, based on that performance <laughs> last night, I mean, there, there's some fair uh, strategy there that, that seemed to work. I mean, he's, he's been prickly. Um, <laughs> but but I, I'm, I mean, you want to talk about empathy. I feel empathetic towards Josh. Because I understand that the temperature was so high by the by the time you get to a convention, how many uh, how many conventions have you been to? Well, this is my first national, okay. but I've been to three right. state conventions. So this is my fourth or fifth, and like yeah. the temperature gets heated up and heated up and heated up, especially when you're in a campaign. And I'm sure you felt that. 
And so it is. It's very easy to get very overwhelmed by that. And it, it is. It's, it's, but, but I can see your argument that if you're chair, it's not like it's going to get better. <laughs> you know, when you, if you win chair, it's going to be you're going to keep taking some of those slings and arrows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I can't imagine what two years of Joshua Willa looked like uh, with what we've seen just from this campaign. Right. So. Okay. Uh, enough of that. All that's over. I mean, so so moving forward, um, I mean, how how are you guys going to move forward? How are you personally going to move forward from here within the Libertarian Party? Um, I'm, I was honestly really looking forward to this being over. Uh, not, not necessarily the convention. I'm having a great time. Uh, but I have a I have a state rep campaign that I've been really neglecting uh, for this uh, chair campaign, which wasn't obviously wasn't a real campaign. I wasn't running to win. I was just running to represent minorities. Right. So. So, so when you go out and you talk to voters, how do they respond to your message? Because I'm sure you're not watering it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But you know what? I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm a salesman, but I usually know who I'm talking to. I know what points uh, are going to resonate, uh, especially when you know, I'm talking face-to-face with people, knocking on doors, things like that. I can usually get through to them on, on points that I know that they might be sympathetic to. Right. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Thanks for explaining libertarian socialism. There's a fair bit of confusion in my audience. So, uh, and, and you actually were in our group for a while, and you're like, why don't you have me on your show instead of picking on us, which is a fair <laughs> point. Uh, so I'm glad, to, I'm glad we finally were able to do that, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. As we said, the, the, the race for chair was very contentious, and it was uh, down to Nick Sarwark, who is running for an unprecedented third term. He ended up succeeding in that. Uh, Matt Canoe, we're just going to call him Matt Canoe, who, who you just heard from. It's no disrespect. It, I don't think he would care. It, no, you have to understand, I'm very bad with names. Uh, right, Gary? Uh, no, that's Ryan. I'm so sorry. Uh, Rude. <laughs> thank God for the name tag. Um, so then also... Uh, I, you know, I only donate monthly, so... Uh, oh, really? I didn't know that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, so I know I feel bad because Jeff Mata, uh, a friend, put me in a Facebook group. Uh, J. Mark English, the wonderful Mark, uh, sent me set me up in a group with Jeff Mata, and he goes, "Hey, uh, my friend Jeff's going to the convention. You should get to know Jeff." And Jeff's like, "Hey, Chris, nice to meet you. I'm a Patreon subscriber." I'm like, "Cool, man. Nice to meet you." <laughs> it's always very odd. I'm a terrible, terrible host. I apologize so much. So. Uh, and we got to talk to Jeff. We had a libertarian meetup. Jeff came by. Uh, you guys all came to the libertarian meetup. It was a, a lot of fun. We've had we've the We Are Libertarians crew. Christy Avery has had a lot of fun this weekend. I believe we have. Yes. All right. All right. I was looking for more, but what? <laughs> <laughs> Good food. Uh, I don't know. That's about it. I haven't haven't I didn't make it to the karaoke party. I heard that was pretty lit. Yeah. <laughs> How many con- Texas? Is this your second convention? My third national. Okay. So, how is this different than the other conventions? Mm, it seems more laid back, and Nick is definitely good at organizing. That was something big in Orlando two right. years ago. Yeah, I I found the. What did you think of the chairs debate? Mm-hmm. Uh, the chairs debate was really contentious, uh, but it was also. You are groaning. Why are you groaning, Kristen? Because I I fell asleep at the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> it was awful. She had a nice place. Yeah. You know, his sho- your shoulder was very comfort- Yes. Uh, so, Kristen, you didn't really know any of these characters running for chair, did you? No, not at all. What were your impressions of the four of them? Um, 
I guess I should say Chris Thrasher also jumped in at the last minute. Do you now, really want to know my impressions? Yes, I do. Uh, so let's start with Nick Sarwark. Uh, what did everybody think of Nick Sarwark starting I with Christian? I thought Nick was very well spoken. I thought he sounded. I, I thought he sounded like the most the most like an adult. Right. He, I mean, when I when he spoke, I was like, okay, he's he's definitely got his shit together. Yeah, that's probably why he won by 65%. <laughs> uh, did you have a pick? A, you have a stick with Nick sticker on you, so I imagine you did have a Yeah, I, I came here undecided, and my uh, my partner actually came here uh, looking to vote for Josh Smith, but um, I actually went to an LNC meeting for the first time mm-hmm. and saw him command that room, and then saw him command the room at the convention as well. Meaning Josh or Nick? Uh, Nick. Okay. Um, and he just... He just Dominated. I mean, right. it, the, he just handles this crowd, and we are a tough crowd to, to handle. Yeah, and he handles it with ease. It's 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 like silly how how well he does that. Um, and my partner ended up coming out of this saying, you know, I'm I'm sorry about the Josh thing. Uh, it's it's all Nick all the way, and he just uh, and at the debate he basically talks circles around all the other candidates, right? He, uh, above and beyond the best candidate. So yeah, uh, Reinhold, or you you were a Nick guy from the beginning, right? I'm. I was a Nick guy just because uh, I know what he brings to running the business of the com- of the uh, of the party, right? And uh, he's got a firm grasp on that, and he can herd the cats, and he knows what he's doing. And none of the other candidates I felt had any ability to do that. So. Yeah. But I think he proved it. What I saw in that de- uh, debate, though, is I. One thing I do want to talk to Nick and say to him is that I think we want to see more of that throughout the two years in between more of the what? campaigns. The the fire, the passion, passion the, the let's go get this done. Let's The inspiration that he creates during that. When he gets up there and he speaks like that, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing because everybody, even, even his opponents, will get fired up about right. it because he's saying everything right and he's doing it in the right cadence, right tempo. And... Then the rest, then the year goes by, and he'll put out a nice little hi. This is a, a message Facebook post, but there's no passion anywhere, right? And we just want that more often, right? Except every two years, he was he was largely seen by the body as a good functionary, mm-hmm. and he won because he was good at being a good functionary. But I think people, I think the popularity of Joshua Smith and Austin Peterson two years ago show that people want some passion, and I think you you see the electorate and even the Libertarian Party moving more towards. Uh, populism in some ways. Yeah. Who who did you vote for? Who were you supporting? And what did you think of Nick Sarwark? <laughs> well, we can answer that with like one one answer because I I was always a Nick supporter. That didn't change with the debate. I could see Josh and Canoe just going at each other, and I've se- I've followed some of it on Facebook, unfortunately, because it's it's just insane. You can't escape it. It's <laughs> if you're on Facebook, you saw it. And it's just ridiculous because it doesn't help the party at all. I think this was definitely the most dramatic of the conventions that you and I have attended. I, I didn't go to 16, uh, and that seemed pretty dr- dramatic. But this was the most immature of the conventions between uh, you know, Matt supporters and Joshua supporters, but mostly Matt supporters. The Audacious Caucus, you know, as I asked him earlier in that interview, was just obnoxious. Really turned a lot of people off. So, so <laughs> Nick ends up winning. And uh, as a result, his his prize 
for winning chair is that he gets to be interviewed by me. And so, <laughs> worth it right there. Well, this was a fun interview. Because, Thank you, dear leader. Yes, you're welcome. I have provided you generously and thoroughly. The, so a listener, uh, I wish I had his name. I'm so sorry if you are the person listening, uh, sent me 500 dear leader business cards. Uh, did you all get your business card? It's ridiculous. There's there no contact information. The <laughs> <laughs> like, what does it say? Uh, generous and thorough. It says, Chris Spangle, dear leader, generous and thorough. That's all it says. There's nothing else on it. You were so confused when I gave it to you. It, it, like, yeah, thanks, Chris. I yeah, got it. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> the, uh, I, I will have to post a... You know, I wasn't sure until I got the business card, but now I do know <laughs> that you are, in fact, generous and thorough. So, you know, it's good clarifying. It's blank on the back, so you can get his autograph there. Right. It is or his phone number. It was... Because <laughs> remember, he's single, ladies. When I opened it, I laughed so hard because it is. It's the exact Poor type guys, of... guys, don't be... Oh yes, he is generous. Yes, remember. <laughs> yes, I am thorough. Okay. Okay. Uh, that means okay. all the genders, even water water I mean, queers. If you're, <laughs> if you're down for that. I don't, know, I don't know if water queers is a gender, but let's say it is. Um, so, anyways, Nick basically it was right after the convention. He's taking selfies and selfies with Star Wars, and so I'm like, "You got ten minutes?" He's like, "Do you mind if I do the interview while I'm changing my into my tux?" It's like, "Not a problem." So I started the interview right there in the lobby. We rode up the elevator, doing the interview. We walked to his room, doing the interview, and we got into his room. And then the interview had to stop. And I I was going to say the same thing. I did not see. uh, He was courteous enough to go around the corner. (laughs) He and I I kept chatting. uh, But... But it is funny. This the part of Rude. this in the elevator. Right? Like people are people are chit chatting. Like there's not an interview going on. Too too. <laughs> so uh, there are some chit chat. But it was funny. Uh, all right. So with that, here is the uh, chair for the next two years of the Libertarian Party uh, nationally. It is Nick Sarwark. <laughs> busy day. It's been a pretty busy day. I'm uh, here with Nick Sarwark, the newest chair of the National Libertarian Party, but the old chair too. It gotta be it gotta be nice to get reelected by sixty five percent. It was nice to be reelected. Uh, it's actually the first time that anyone's been chair of the Libertarian Party for three terms. It seemed. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you felt about going into it, but it seemed like uh, you probably were going to win. But it didn't seem like a sixty five percent win. What do you think changed? I don't think a lot changed. I was pretty confident, as uh, your listeners may not know, because this isn't video. I'm wearing a shirt that says I won the Libertarian National Convention chairs race that I ordered ahead of time. <laughs> Confidence is not lacking in the in the uh, Nick's artwork. Now, do you plan to be nice to Libertarian podcasters? I will be as nice to Libertarian podcasters as I possibly can. <laughs> Always evading the question. I want, to, I want an ironclad guarantee that you'll be nice to Libertarian podcasters for the next two years. There are no guarantees in life, Chris. <laughs> All right, so... What is the most important thing that you're going to do over the next two years? The most important thing we're going to do over the next two years is we're going to have phenomenal election results in 2018 that will set records that we haven't seen going back to at least back over the last 15 years. Um, we'll have more candidates running. We should be getting better vote totals. We intend to win a lot more offices. We have a full-time staffer, Apollo Pazell, working with selected candidates who are in strategically... Um, advantageous races, races where the old parties will not see us coming, where the application of five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a race where they're not expecting us will cause us to get more elected libertarians who are elected as libertarians. And I think that is going to be the step that will get us to having better 
candidates seeking our presidential nomination rather than trying to arm twist or recruit people who may not be interested in running for the presidential nomination. I feel that we need to build the party up to be such a political force that people are knocking on our door to join our tent. So there's always been the uh, ballot access strategy. Some people think that that is the main goal of the Libertarian Party. There's an, there's more over the over your term, uh, over the last four years, I would say that the idea that we should support candidates first, uh, there's a larger, um, uh, there's a caucus for everything. There's a larger caucus for candidate support versus ballot access support. Obviously, you got to do everything, but you know, where do you think the, over the next two years the priorities will come down? I think uh, ballot access and candidate support go hand in hand. So we are working to make sure we're on the ballot in as many states as possible for our candidates to be able to contest elections. But if you look at candidate support uh, across the country, candidates for, liber- for Libertarian Party nominations for offices are getting an order of magnitude more financial support than they have gotten in past election races. So in races where they used to get we're climbing into an elevator right now. He's a real pro, everybody. In races where we used to get five or $10,000, we're getting fifty dollars or $100,000. In races where we used to get $50,000, we're getting a couple of $100,000. In races where we used to get $100, we're getting thousands of dollars. That's happening everywhere, not just in special races, not just in targeted races. The, the appetite that the voters have for libertarians and the appetite that the donors have for libertarians is more than we've ever seen before in party history. So Bill Weld seemed to be the... He's turning into a litmus test. There's like a mania that is starting to all of a sudden pop up around Bill Weld that... Seven. Seven. I know, yeah, I know. I hope you don't cut. Uh, no, I'm not cutting anything. I don't, I don't ever edit anything. It's great. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually going to help him uh, put on his tux and interview him while we're doing that. So it's the only national chair ever to do an interview naked. It's like... Except James Weeks. He didn't, he didn't ever get elected. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I was filming James Weeks. I was hoping he was go- not going to disappoint us, but he did. Uh, so Bill Weld seemed to be like a lightning rod, uh, and there's a mania around him in some of the delegates that were here. And your answer, I felt, was very strong, and I really think in the delegation it was a, it was a moment that I think a lot of people went, all right, Nick's my guy. I mean... Why do you think Bill Weld is a, a target, and what do you think Bill Weld's future with the party is? Uh, so he's one of the most prominent people to ever join the party, run for office, and then, this is the very important part about it, stay in the party after the race. Um, this may have been the first, I don't know if it's the first or last, David Bowes said something on Facebook, But this national convention didn't have any former presidential candidates. It only had two former vice presidential candidates, Judge Gray and Bill Weld, both who ran with um, Gary Johnson. And so I think one of the things that's made Bill Weld the center of attention, both for positive and negative attention, is the fact that he's still here. Austin Peterson isn't the center of attention because he's gone. You know, uh, Alicia Dern isn't the center of attention because she's gone. The people that leave aren't the center of the attention. The people who stay and still have political acumen and have that fame that comes from running for office are going to be the center of attention, both in speculation for running for higher office and the center of attention for people who don't like them. It's important. You know, there are a lot of people in the Libertarian Party that people don't like. 
that they don't pay much attention to because they're unlikely to ever get nominated for the LNC or for a public office. Bill Weld is a political powerhouse, and so he's going to get that attention. Right. 22? Yep. No, oh, we're 27. 27? Okay. What floor are you? I'm 27, too, so we're going to just stop a couple more times. Okay. Um, <laughs> you mentioned some of the things that Weld, that Weld has changed on and also what he's done over the last couple of years. What were those? So um, one of the dings on Weld was that when he was governor of Massachusetts, he had passed a bill that uh, restricted some some gun rights. And, you know, it's hard to judge laws that were passed in the 90s before Heller and McDonald versus Chicago um, regarding gun rights. But, you know, it, it wasn't they weren't libertarian laws, that's for sure. In his debate answers in 2016, Weld talked about how he was a hunter and he had um, you know, sh- used shotguns and things like that. That's not really what the libertarian position is on the Second Amendment. Since the 2016 run and in talking to libertarians around the country, going to conventions, helping candidates, and just getting some of the feedback that our party members are so eager to give him, uh, Bill Weld realizes that the Second Amendment is not about hunting. It's about overthrowing a tyrannical government, and he's down for the cause. He's down for um, modern sporting rifles in a way that he never was before. So that's what I meant in my debate answer when I said that to the extent that Bill Weld is um, in the party still, he's not making us more like establishment Republicans. We're making him more of a libertarian. So you're running for office at the same time. You're running for mayor in uh, Phoenix. How's that going? Uh, it's an excellent race. I, I don't know the exact numbers because I've been very focused on party business while I'm here, but my campaign manager, Evan McMahon, tells me that as of the <laughs> June 30th fi- filing deadline that we had for the um, campaign finance reports, we were within maybe 1000 or $2,000 of our $80,000 goal for the first campaign finance period, uh, which actually includes a donation from Bill Weld, who also endorsed me for the office. So if you win mayor uh, of Phoenix, are you going to continue to do both? That's a, a choice I'm going to have to make at the time that I win because, um, you know, right now I have a full-time job running a small business, uh, my family's car dealership. I also have a family. I have the national chair position and the mayoral campaign. Um, it may be that something has to give. I haven't decided what it would be. And it's hard to say because... Um, like the business does, the mayor's office has a staff. Uh, the chair's office has a staff. Um, so all of these are positions where it's more of an executive position uh, with people who you can delegate to. So we'll just have to see what the, the rigors of the job and the requirements uh, lead to. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm going to get out of here before it gets uh, a little too racy. Uh, so thanks for joining me and thanks for uh, doing the interview and, and congratulations on your win. Thank you so much, Chris. I think before we go, I do have to, I need you to verify something because a Creepertarian took a creep shot of you and I talking literally minutes before you went up. Uh, were we or were we not talking about memes right before you tried to convince the delegates to vote for you? We were talking about memes. I know that uh, Dear Leader Spangle has the memes of production and I wanted to offer him a peace offering <laughs> of a, a powerful meme that I don't know whether or not he used or not. Uh, I did. <laughs> That's the kind of inclusive person that I am. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nick. So we are, we are in Radio Row at the National Libertarian Party. Uh, we're just hanging out. Uh, and 
Arvin Vora apparently how? has been doing an interview. You guys said how long is that? for like an hour? It's just some dude with like a handy cam, it, and it's on it's camera. It's yeah, we're not clear he's even press, but <laughs> I don't I don't know. He doesn't have the official badge you like Kristen. If I and walk I. over there, I could kind of get him to come over here. Do, do you guys want to interview Arvin? Should I have no problem interviewing him because. I, my my take on Arvin is that I think he's really good at a lot of things, and he, he's got a, a a great sense of libertarianism and everything else. And then he falls apart when he decides he wants to be audacious and get his message out there. And it's like, shut up! If you right. shut up, you would get reelected. All right, let's vote. Well, and Chris, you're not Cantwell, so I don't know if he wants to be on your podcast, <laughs> right? No, I think I think Arvin would 100 percent come over here if we wanted him to. Um, he says he's, he won't say no, right? I know. Right yeah. You, uh, Kristen, Kristen is very effective. We can send the two ladies over there. He probably lives for this. And All right. That's probably why he's getting I'll the attention that he wants. <laughs> okay. <That's, laughs> I think let's do it. So yesterday, uh, yesterday morning during breakfast, Kristen, who's new to all this, and has a lot of questions. The first question was like, what's up with the kid touching stuff? I was like, man, I don't know. This is like five people in the party. Let's not, we, we all want to purge these people. Um, all right, so what would we ask Arvin if we did an interview with him, if we talked to him? What, what kind of stuff? When you lose, are you going <laughs> to run for LNC at large? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he... he do, you, do you regret some of the things you've done right. that has cost you now probably winning right. the race? Uh, so I think a lot of it is that the... Here's the thing. And what were you trying to get out of it? Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. What, what do you... Christy Avery... Your your opinion is very important to me, <laughs> and I mean that. Don't laugh. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, I want to know what you think. Christy. I, you know me. I don't normally have strong opinions on things. I know, but I want one from you. <laughs> I don't have it. Yes or no? I I'm drinking too much. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you should do it. All right. What do you think? You Are you going to behave? <laughs> do I ever behave? That laugh happened with like a bottle of wine as she's like drinking it like <laughs> from the bottle. Right. Um, yes, I will behave. Okay. Would you like me to go over there? Uh, I, I really don't have a problem interrupting, honestly. I, I, I mean, wouldn't interrupt. From just, this podcast, here's what you should do. Just kind of hover, okay? Oh, yeah. No, just I, kind of ho- to, I know how to. You like, know how to hover around men? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got free coffee the first day I was here. <laughs> she oh, was. Yeah. Listen to this. Kristen was so surprised the first day that she was standing there and a random guy offered her coffee. I go, You're a single <laughs> female at a libertarian convention. The other funny thing that she. She didn't have three marriage proposals by the time she got <laughs> the checkout. There, there's, uh, been, there's a couple of friends who are here, and one, one of them was running the booth over here, the really pretty. She's like from Belarus. Yeah, with and the dog. It's Martin Cowan. He's from Georgia. He's running for U.S. House. Yeah, and his, his assistant, he hired a person to so, work at the table. So yes. I talked to her, and she's like, Some men very creepy here. <laughs> I was like, Yes. Yes, honey. We call them creepitarians. Yep. The creepitarian uh, effect is real. All right. So Kristen, go over there and hover. Uh, all right. Good luck. She's now going to We kill time all that happens? No. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pad a little bit. We'll okay. Bad. Uh, we'll vape. Let's just vape. <laughs> let's vape. In, in the meantime, while I we wait, pull out a cigarette, let's but see. That's not going to happen. Let's see if we are able to get an interview. Let's see if we can score an interview with Arvind Vora. In the meantime, take a listen. Uh, so I was sitting there and uh, innocently just live tweeting during the debate, 
And then uh, all of a sudden I see a picture pop up on my phone from a listener, and it's a picture of Nick Sarwark leaning down next to me. (laughs) And it's basically what I referenced earlier in the interview where he and I were talking about memes right before he went up to try and convince the delegation. And uh, so Mike, Michael and uh, uh, another guy that I forget his name, but I say it in here. I'm very tired. It's been two very long days. I'm just, this is a shit show and I apologize. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk to uh, a couple of delegates from Arizona at their first convention. I'm here with a first time delegate. What's your name? Mike McFarland. Now you have been sitting behind me at the convention for how long? Uh, probably about uh, hour, hour and a half maybe. Yeah. And you didn't come say hi. Why not? <laughs> Uh, you look busy, you know. You're, you're, you're right. your leader. I can't just come up and bother you. <laughs> uh, you, but you did shit post pretty well. <laughs> Nick Sarwark, the the chair of the National Party, and uh, he's probably going to be reelected. We're waiting for the results. Came up in the middle, right as, right before his nominating speech, to give me meme advice, <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. So you took a photo of it. It's a very funny photo. Uh, uh, <laughs> it literally was. He was asking me about a meme. Um, priorities man like get elected chair but number one is memes right uh what's what's your name my name is nathan andrews all right are you a first time uh, delegate too i am now where are you two from we are both from cochise county arizona um i'm the vice chair and mike is my chair okay all right how's he do his chair he's fucking fantastic all right. good i don't want you to disappoint me all right <laughs> he knows what he's best. doing <laughs> Good. Uh, now, what is your general impression of this? This is your first time at a convention. What do you think? So, as far as organizing and, and the events going on, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, based on the lower level stuff I've seen with our state, it's pretty lackluster, low turnout, low enthusiasm. Here, everybody's a little bit more amped up, excited. You know, of course, you got your different camps and your different caucuses and everything. But I think the overall atmosphere is more positive than right than not. Okay. What do you? What about you? I'm. It's very different. I don't think any other political party's convention will ever touch the excitement, the strangeness uh, that you see here at the Libertarian Convention. I, I think it's an experience that everyone should experience at least once in their life. Define strangeness. Uh, we got dildos being waved around in the air. Uh, I've been heckling pretty hard. Um, Are you shitposting the convention? I am a shitposter. Um, a little bit, Yes. <laughs> Right. What, have have you been behaved? I'd say for a libertarian, I've been pretty well behaved. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One of the what like what's the thing that uh, sticks out to you the most here, other than Star Child? <laughs> uh, the I don't know. I mean. There's so much to look at and so many things going on, and I'm trying to absorb it all. But I think the fact that we are as somewhat organized as we are. Right. You know, everybody jokes about hurting cats. And you see a little bit of that, but generally the convention is moving along. People are kind of rejecting some of the, the sideshow stuff a little bit. Right. So I, I kind of like that. It's, it's, it's uh, counter to the stereotypical libertarian kind of right. you know, stereotype. Yeah. So what about you, Nathan? What stands out? Ooh. Ah, there's a lot. We, we, we do have like the infighting thing going on. Um, I think it's a big thing that sticks out is that we all come from a lot of different backgrounds and we have a lot of different opinions about things. Um, we're, we're very passionate about who we're following, so a lot of us are taking it personal. Which <laughs> so there's been a couple fist fights. Uh, I heard that. I missed them though, so I, I don't know what happened with those or what they were over. But we can all assume what they were probably over. <laughs> now, Michael, you you mentioned that everybody's very positive. Uh, people constantly are saying like, "I'm not joining the LP because of the infighting." What gives? 
I think the the info, it's like a it's like a family. So you know, you all see the pictures of like we're the reverse though. Family projects like a nice Christmas card photo thing, but on the inside of the house, they're they're arguing over little petty stuff that doesn't really matter to anybody outside of that. Right. And I think we get to see that more than the outside world, and so we assume a little bit about what people perceive, you know, that we're, we're like in real life. Right. But when we get together with events like this, you know, there's a little bit more, at least, I don't know, in my experience so far, there's a little more hope about the future. You know, we are making some small inroads in different areas, and I think that's sort of palpable in the air, at least for me. Maybe it's just because it's my first time here, but right. people seem a little bit more positive about where we can go and what we can do because there's potential still. Yeah, I mean, there's it's nice to show up someplace where everybody's kind of like you and believes the same thing and you're not constantly fighting to right. get your point across. Right. And uh, I think part of it is social media allows a certain facade that, that you can be a little bit or you, you feel like you have a little bit more moral licensing to be a little bit more nasty. Right. You know, because face to face, you can see eye movement, you can see body language. And so you can take something, someone can say something. You can see a fat nerd weeping when you call him a fat nerd and right, right. to his face. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or like you can pick up, okay, what he's saying is this, it, it gives it more context. Right. So you're, you're less likely to take offense to something. Um, Matt is a pretty good example of that being an ant com and everything. Matt Keneal. I don't know I, how to I say can't, that. Yeah. I think he's, the, the Matt K, K, Matt the, K. So, the socialist, yes. The socialist cat, yeah. Uh, I actually got a new respect for him because he stood up to a lot of criticism, which I, I'm sure he was expecting. Right. Um, and it's different to be able to stand in front of a crowd of people and do that rather than just posting on social media. Right. Uh, I've heard a lot of that. I've heard people say, you know what, I thought he was a punchline, I thought he was a joke, but I was actually a little impressed with the libertarian socialist. Yeah. Last night during the debate, definitely he was... He was kind of a, a joke to most of us in the audience but uh when he came up for his nomination speech i kind of liked his message that hey i'm willing to work together i understand that we have different views about economy um but you know we, these are things that we need to discuss and that our main goal should just be that less government keep keep the state out of your your life i actually slept with that guy the other night nice <laughs> yeah sharp I sh- dresser shared a bed uh <laughs> and i'm not gay it was he was drunk it's fine uh so <laughs> i'll explain that some other time um I have ADD, and my ADD here has been ridiculous. So, yeah, the the libertarian socialist thing, he, he wants to end the state. I mean, you tell me, help me along here, because I'm trying to figure out exactly what he thinks. But he, basically, it's that he wants to end all forms of government, and he believes that all forms of property uh, and, like, basically, you own your labor. So when you go to work, then you get the value of all of that labor. It shouldn't go to a business owner. Basic communistic stuff uh what am i missing uh, about his argument because it basically he ran for chair to promote his argument and uh it sounds like it penetrated a little bit i don't know if the message penetrated but but the willingness to to work together i think was the big part um still i think libertarian platform should include property rights that's very important as well as capitalism because that's that's the way that we can keep innovation and uh keep the poor richer I just think it's better. So, I mean, it's, uh, those are the big things. Property rights and, and eco- economic, those are the big differences. But those are things that we can discuss. Michael, what about you? What did you think of his message? I kind of agree that it didn't penetrate as far as the philosophy. But I do think that his person penetrated the crowd. As, well, 
That sounded a little bit innuendo-y. <laughs> he, 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 Matt really penetrated the crowd, didn't he, He Michael? was waving around a big dildo, so... <laughs> no, that was Jeff Wood. Uh, well, guy. I did see Matt with one at some point. Listen, um, I'm from Indiana. Michigan libertarians, <laughs> you stay away from them. Yeah. All right? You should stay away from Michigan in general. <laughs> <laughs> now, continue on, yeah. Oh, well, I, I think that uh, people seeing the person in, in, in action and his willingness to st- continue standing up for his beliefs in front of a crowd that was pretty hostile, I think that earns you a lot of respect, especially libertarians value a certain level of integrity. Right. And I think that despite the differences in opinion and, and philosophical ideas, I think that it still means something. Right. So who are some of the libertarians that you were excited to meet this weekend? Uh, Nathan. Larry Elder, I mean not Larry, but uh, Larry Sharp. Sorry, I'm he's the cons- he's the other. Yeah, he is conservative. I'm I just slipped up. I suck. Um, was happy to see Josh Smith again. Got to see him at the Arizona convention, so that was really nice. Um, I was hoping to meet Eric July, but I was not able to. I thought maybe he'd be at some after parties, but nope. Yeah, I heard he had travel problems. What about you, Michael? Well, dear leader, of course. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, <laughs> uh, but I was no, no, also- no. Stop, stop. No, continue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But also, you know, Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp, I think, is, to me at least personally, is the the image that we need to project more of. Uh, but also, you know, I don't want to discredit some of the other ones that aren't well-known. Cass Jackson, um, you've got Matt Dumit, I think didn't make it this time, but you had some representatives from his campaign here. Right. Robin Kerner was here. Um, so a lot of the people that I'm all about the positive messaging, the, the just moving forward, because you see that... I mean, it's almost an extreme nice stark contrast between the campaigns that are lackluster or they're all about just railing against the state, beating their fists against the, the podium right. versus somebody whose their message is there is no them. Right. And that's his campaign slogan or Larry Sharp, which is just a whole. I mean, he's got a lot of different hashtags going, but right. it's, it's resonating with the people of New York, with libertarians, with people that were disinterested in politics before you see him picking up some of those well go ahead i think one of the important things about larry sharp is that he presents a lot of transitional policies is which what we need um we can't just like rip the carpet out from under everything we have to work towards it and i think he has a very rational step-by-step uh look at how to get to you know the world of libertarians and probably most everybody would be happiest in so you guys are are you here because of josh smith would you say he was a big factor in you coming to the convention? I would say he was a pretty big factor. Yeah, I think he got he got me really passionate. I really liked the message that he had about you know improving the party. Um, I'm pretty new to the party myself, but um, I just I don't feel like Nick Sorek is really taking us. We're also from Arizona, so we have a little. Maybe a different experience. No prophet is without honor. Uh, from if he's from his hometown or whatever the phrase is. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Nick. And Nick, keeping Nick isn't going to make the party worse, but we're not going to get better. And that's that's the problem. Um, we need we need to go out there. We need to get members. We need to um, be able to present our message in a way that's uh, people uh, people like to hear in a good way, like a good message, a good way to present our ideas that people can understand um, and and don't get so upset about. All right. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate yeah. you, you uh, coming on the show. I appreciate you being here. Uh, it's very nice to meet you. Uh, he and I talk all the time on Instagram. <laughs> we share memes, which is the most intimate form that, of a relationship that you can have with, right. with a friend, is sharing memes. Exactly. So you always have the dankest ones, brother. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. 
A while back, I went on Jen Gray's podcast called Leading Liberty, which is a great podcast with a ton of tips on how to be a leader in the libertarian movement. And I talked about starting a podcast, and I talked about what it means uh, to do a podcast for your state party. I've been podcasting for about 10 years now. I started a – well, I didn't start it. There was an Indiana Libertarian Party podcast, and Mike Cole had done it for a couple years. And he essentially just said, I'm tired of doing it. I don't want to do it anymore. And I had bought equipment because I knew I wanted to do a podcast, so I spent a ton of money. I actually took out like a, basically a, an extension on my loan, like a home equity loan for your car, and then bought my first round of podcasting equipment. It was wildly irresponsible. Uh, financially, but uh, it, it was, I, listen, I was never, in my 20s, I was very bad with money. So I uh, I started the podcast uh, doing the Indiana Libertarian Party podcast. And if you actually scroll back into the We Are Libertarians feed, you will hear a lot of those, like with Phil Skolzinski, Evan McMahon. Uh, and so that was the first uh, taste of podcasting that I did. And we saw a ton of benefit from doing both the Indiana Libertarian podcast and then the podcast that We Are Libertarians puts out called Upward Training. And if you go to wearelibertarians.com, you can get that podcast feed where we basically have a ton of training tips. Uh, Basically, the feed wasn't being maintained by the Indiana Libertarian Party anymore, so I just took that over and kept all that material that we had put out years ago. Uh, and I mean like 2010, 2011, but all this stuff is still germane and it's still out there and I still will sometimes put some uh, training materials via podcast form in the Upward podcast feed, um, as well as some stuff from Marshall Fritz, uh, the founder of the Advocates for Self-Government. Marshall, uh, Marshall's the guy, along with David Nolan, who put together, Marshall put together the world's smallest political quiz and David Nolan, the founder of the LP, uh, and the diamond basically put together the the diamond the basically the well you'd get it I mean if you've seen the axis where it's personal liberty and economic liberty and uh, libertarians are at the top of that diamond that's why we call it upward uh, because we want to give you tips on training people how to move them upward and Marshall Fritz to start the world's smallest political quiz and the advocates for self government basically traveled around in a car all across the nation for a solid year in the 70s. And he'd basically hand out these hangers that he had made uh, that said, Marshall, Flit- Marshall Fritz slept here. He basically drove in his car doing outreach, Operation Politically Homeless outreach events with the Diamonds, te- teaching people how to use the world's smallest political quiz. And you think about the amount of people that have used that tool and the hundreds of people that he first interacted with to get this thing going, to turn the quiz into the great outreach tool that it that it was, is. Uh, Marshall Fritz, I think, is one of the most important people in all of the libertarian history. Uh, and he's not, he's not like revered like Rothbard. He's not really well known. And so one of the things that I do is I, I have a collection of speeches because I was the marketing director for the Advocates for Self-Government, and then Brett Bittner took over my job there, and then the organization completely shifted and moved to Sacramento. So Brett and I ended up with a lot of stuff that they just didn't want anymore, like audio and tapes and books and stuff. And so part of what I do is I like to keep track of that stuff, and I like to post Marshall speeches. A lot of it are, are still relevant and still useful, even though they were recorded in the 80s and 90s. 
Uh, he has since passed. I think he passed in 2008. Um, but Marshall, Marshall was just a giant. Uh, you know, he, he was really one of the most important people in the libertarian movement and getting it going and getting steam. Uh, and he's just not talked about enough. So, you know, part of what I will always do with We Are Libertarians is honor Marshall Fritz because I just fell in love with the guy and the way that he messages when I worked at the Advocates for Self-Government and was just so influenced by him. Uh, so I will always strive to keep his name alive along with uh, Sharon Harris, the former executive director of the Advocates for Self-Government and others. Um, you know, just really important guy. So go check out some of those speeches. And if you go to the Path to Libertarianism at wearelibertarians.com, the first step is basically Marshall giving a presentation. Uh, he's just fantastic. And in the We Are Libertarians feed, you can get a What is Libertarianism speech by Marshall Fritz. So I highly recommend checking those out because he just had a great way with phrasing libertarianism in an approachable, nice, polite, fun manner. So, um, so I talked about the effect of the podcast for our state party and how much it helped us with candidates and and recruiting people and getting the news out you know state parties and libertarian parties and you know democrat and republican parties even oh they're not doing anything it's a common refrain around any nonprofit or you know volunteer organization they don't do anything so it's hard to get your message out but with a podcast for fairly cheap i mean you know, 500 to a thousand bucks, you can get podcasting equipment now. It's better than the 1500 I paid, you know, 10 years ago uh, when I first bought my set in 2008, I think it was, 2009. Um, so it's much cheaper to do now. Uh, and this entire, uh, this entire podcast that you're listening to was recorded on my Zoom H6 and you know and a couple microphones and that was less than 400 bucks and that's really all you needed to produce a high sounding quality podcast uh so sarah wagner in north carolina heard that podcast and decided to take the initiative and start her own podcast and uh, it has greatly helped the libertarian party of north carolina and I wanted to sit and talk with her. Sarah and her husband are like the two most adorable people you'll ever imagine. Like, if they both weren't so cute and sweet, like, it'd be annoying how much they love each other, but it was just adorable. Uh, they are, like, the two nicest people. They hung out with uh, the other wall crew and I during the the business on Monday, and we just had a great time talking to them. And Sarah has bright purple hair. Uh, you can see a photo of her and I and her hair. Uh, I'll link it. I'll link my photo album in the show notes, uh, and I will link her podcast so you can check it out. And I'm going to have her as a, a guest host at some point on We Are Libertarians because it's very, very well spoken, very positive, uh, very informed. Uh, and Lord knows we need more women uh, on We Are Libertarians and in the libertarian movement. And uh, looking forward to having that happen in the future. But in the meantime. You can get a sense of what I mean. Here is uh, my conversation with Sarah Wagner. All right. Oh, All we're right. about to do platform. That's Sarah, much more fun. No. N listen, Sarah. I have two rules. No platform. No, three. Three rules. No platform. No bylaws. No Bittner. Oh, no business. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, I'm with Sarah Brady Wagner. She is the host of what podcast? We are... Li oh, sorry. That's... We are libertarians. Did I get no, uh, oh, I, I've been replaced on my of, own show. <laughs> the host of Speaking of Liberty. 
Okay, speaking of Liberty, and it, uh, you're based out of where? North Carolina. All right, so you are with the North Carolina Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. And you sent me a note. You sent me a note. How many months ago? Oh, at this point, it was um, probably seven or eight months ago um, when you did a guest spot on Jen Gray's Leading Liberty podcast, right? About podcasting um, and about how you can use it as uh, you know an outreach mechanism, both for your party and uh, what was really helpful was the parts where you just went over the highlights of how to kind of sell the idea to your executive committee, right? And what were those points? Because I've totally forgotten. Uh, so one of the most useful things is being able to give the candidates some sort of media training. So it's a friendly environment. You're someone who's not actively looking to give them gotcha questions. But you can kind of help them to work out the kinks in their statements and get them some really good sound bites that they right. can use for media. And they bought that. They did. <laughs> they liked it. So, you know, I had to kind of give them the idea that this is this is a problem that we can fix really easily with this one cool new new uh, tool, mm-hmm. if you could just give me that little bit of uh, startup money so I could buy equipment. Yeah, because people think podcasting is free, but it's not no. even remotely free, is it? No, and I've, I've worked on podcasts um, in the past that, you know, we use cheaper equipment or whatever is available. I actually first did a podcast when I was like 13, because mm-hmm. when it just came out. Uh, and so the sound quality is really important to me. Yeah. If I'm going to put something out, I know you can easily put something out that is filled with you know background noise and you can have you it's really hard to listen to in a car the blue the blue snowball in the middle of the table yeah. with 10 people yeah exactly. yeah it's I, I listen to a lot of stuff in the car and so that's what i've got as in mind is like i don't want that atmosphere around right me. so you end up selling the idea to your executive committee uh yes and then i had to convince my husband to help me with it all right and how did and was he helpful uh, he was he helped with um the sound engineering and is there anything you'd like to say bad about your no dang it she saw <laughs> sorry he, he just came by to grab my bag <laughs> i was i was going to say uh try and trick her into saying something nice or mean uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so you you sell and you were telling me i wanted to record this with you because you were telling me some incredible facts about the effect of that podcast so on your political efforts in in your local state um so one of the main ways uh, that I was able to sell this is like a short-term thing we need to do now was pointing out that we had such a great influx of interest in being a candidate. Uh, and that's something I've heard mirrored from the other political directors all over the uh, country. Is there's a lot of interest, especially coming off of the wave of 2016 in running. Right. Um, and though, so we were getting interest through a, uh, like a Google form that I had set up and we'd put out on all of our social media. Hey, if you're interested, give me your information. We'll get in contact. But when I was starting to roll through and get in contact with these, uh, and National would send us some that contacted them, the quickest thing that was apparent was, like, they all have the same question. Right. And none of them know what the nuts and bolts of, like, what do I actually do to follow through with this? Right. Uh, so it was getting really frustrating and like, I have a full-time job already. Right. I, I, I actually take care of kids. So it was like, you're an adult. You should be able to handle this. <laughs> when I was, I was the executive director of the state part of, uh, of Indiana and it was babysitting. And yeah. a lot of what I created in terms of, uh, I think the libertarian training center.com is probably still up there. And most of the guides and videos and all the stuff that was up there, it was basically created because I was tired of answering the same question over and over and over. And so I think podcasting is a great way to kind of shortcut that and go, hey, I've answered this in depth here. You've taken the 15 minutes one time and multiplied that by the hundreds of other times 
that you would normally have to say that. Exactly. And that's that's exactly what it took. Um, you know, once we actually got it together as a finished product, there was 15 minutes of just nuts and bolts. You find this form and you take it to this place and you have it filled out with this information. Right. And then I paired that with. So, so that's Jess Mears, who was on the <laughs> on the Porkfest episode, with the loudest <laughs> cart known to human beings. Yeah, it it was it, right into the media center. Yes, please reset where you were. Um, what you were saying. So the oh, see now I'm, I'm trying to remember where I was. Uh, but basically, it's cutting down on all those conversations. Yeah. So it was it was 15 minutes of explaining. You know, eight, I literally made a bulleted list of I think it was 12 steps to get all of your forms. Um, I put them in the show notes. Included hyperlinks to print out the forms that you could fill them out and where to take them. Right. Uh, and then I paired that with a 15-minute uh, edited interview with my like leading candidate who's doing fantastically and is mm-hmm. um, almost outraised um, his main opponent. And then other drama happened the uh the actually <laughs> okay. the the um democrat party in his district noticed how close he was getting right and dumped twenty thousand extra dollars on his opponent right so you know that's that's a successful campaign and mm-hmm. i wanted to give them that uh perspective because it also is a much easier way to get the realities of running a campaign through two candidates right um it's things that kind of come off mean for a political director to just say directly, like, um, you know that I'm not going to be running your campaign right. <laughs> right. Or uh, you're going to be responsible for finding the people who are going to be part of your campaign team. The other good thing about podcasting is that people learn, it because they're it's passive listening. Yeah. So they're learning while they're, you know, mowing the grass or, you know, I like to listen to podcasts while playing like a game on my phone. So my eyes and hands are maybe occupied, but I'm not, my brain is engaged in something else. And so that's really when you learn mm-hmm. very well. I mean, what kind of feedback have you had from... From your listeners, in terms of the effectiveness of the podcast. Well, that the first thing that I got as feedback um, was just candidates coming up to me who had managed to file. We only have a two-week filing period, so I put it out at the beginning of the filing period. Episode one was how to run for office as a libertarian, and a few weeks later, when we were starting to get more of our like county conventions together and was going around and talking to candidates, so many of them just said thank you so much this was exactly what i needed i just needed to be able to listen to it and if i if i had questions like i could just really quickly go back right um and they appreciated that it was in a way that they didn't have to keep coming back and asking questions to a person because mm-hmm. sometimes that makes you feel really dumb when you're like i, I know you explained this to me already but right it's nice to just have it in a format that you can carry around in your pocket right um and we've continued it since then uh and tried to incorporate more material that would be useful to both candidates and focusing on issues within North Carolina. And I would say that if you're not in North Carolina, it's probably a podcast that people outside of your state could get benefit from? It is. Um, so we've, we have four episodes available right now. I just found another sound engineer who's going to help us get it kind of rebooted. But mm-hmm. uh, we, we try to do topics that would be interesting even if you don't live in our state. Right. Um, North Carolina is a big state on gerrymandering has been a major issue that yes. we've gotten a lot of national attention for. Right. Uh, I actually have a, an extended interview with David Lewis, who is the representative from North Carolina, who's most famous for saying my job as the chairman of the redistricting committee is to make sure that we draw a map with that will elect 10 Republicans and three Democrats only because I believe it is not possible to draw a map that will elect 11 Republicans and two Democrats. Right. Okay. So we have one going through that whole issue and talking with him. And this has helped with candidate recruitment too, hasn't it? It has, you know, it it gives people a, um, a outlet to look at the state party and know, um, we're actually doing something. Right. 
and it it gives you um, more of a professional, I don't know, image as far right. as the public goes, and it makes people go, hey, you know what, this is a party that I could actually run for, right? And they feel like there's someone to reach out to, uh, and they know who I am already. They've already heard my voice, right? Because that it, goes a long way. It's very personal. It is. Right. You know, people feel like they know you because you've been in their car talking to them it's, all the time. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's very. It's a weird phenomenon. You yeah. people, people you don't know are like, "Thanks, man. You're like a really cool guy." I'm like, I. I'm I guess. Not, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> glad you think so. What's your name again? Uh, so that's very cool, and I'm glad that it has helped uh, with your candidate recruitment, and I'm glad that you got benefit out of it. If you want to listen to those podcasts that I did originally. Uh, they are on the Chris Spangle Show feed. I think they're also in the We Are Libertarians feed, but I know they're more easily accessible on the Chris Spangle Show, along with a few other podcasts about podcasting. Uh, once again, I will eventually start podcasting on platforms and, and actually do uh, the teaching teaching people how to do this on a on a broader scale and more more engaging way. But uh, I'm really glad that you you got something out of it and that it really helped your your efforts in, in building the libertarian movement. Yeah, and now I've gotten to share that experience with the other states, and hopefully we'll see a lot more podcasts come out of that. Yeah, I'd love that. And if you have one, please hit us up. We'll share it. We'll put it on our libertarianpodcast.com website. Uh, and uh, Sarah, I would love to have you back on We Are Libertarian sometime as well, too. Well, we'll definitely have to set that up. She's very well-spoken. She's <laughs> my uh, girl Friday over here. She's <laughs> She's... She's impressed too. I can tell. Well, I so. appreciate that. And you have the best hair I've ever seen in my life. We've my husband helps me do it. it we've had to like fine tune the color. It's, it's been great. It's purple, but it's not like like what color would you say it is? Uh, it's a combination of purple and pink. Okay, it's, it's like orchid or fuchsia. Or okay, if you're okay, maybe we'll take a photo and post I was it on say, our Instagram. Yes, yeah. that that would be perfectly fine. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us. And then again, where do people find the podcast? Uh, it is speaking of liberty. Uh, it can be found at the LPNC website, lpnc.org/speakingofliberty. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Okay, so you heard us sitting around a room, uh, and we were talking about whether or not we were going to get Arvin Vora to come over and talk to us. Did we? It's a cliffhanger. I'm, I'm doing a cliffhanger here. Uh, I could make this podcast one podcast in about three and a half hours, or I could make it two episodes, part one and part two. So what I'm going to do is make it a two-parter. So you can hear if we talk to Arvind Vora, although if you look at your feed, you realize we did. Um, and we also ended up talking to TJ Roberts of Liberty Hangout, and it kind of became the reconciliation episode where we kind of talked to the people that – you know, we mock. I mean, I mock. I, I have arguments with and say things that, you know, it's like I said it to their face in the, in the interview, but I asked them very tough questions about uh, their reputations. So be sure to tune into the next episode to hear that. Uh, and uh, also a really funny story about uh, something that happened uh, as I was flying back home. So, Please tune in to the next episode of We Are Libertarians, and please don't forget to share. Uh, I want to thank all of our patrons that helped send me to this event. Uh, several specific patrons uh, really helped offset the cost of these trips. Um, you know, one who shall remain nameless, uh, and uh, Todd Singer, especially Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, uh, you guys rock. Uh, also, Brandon Luke. And Christy Avery. Uh, so, you know, it's amazing to me and humbling that the people who are very uh, strong financial supporters at the $100 subscri subscriber level 
also will help offset some of these trips. And uh, it's made it completely possible to do, uh, where I thought it was totally impossible that I could travel and cover events for our listeners and those patrons and all of our Patreon subscribers help made these two trips that I've done the last couple weeks possible. And if you enjoyed the content, then please, by all means, sign up at Patreon. Uh, that helps offset the cost of the trips. I'd like to bring along other We Are Libertarians contributors to, to some of these events, so it's not just me uh, going. And you know, then there's also some costs like you know software to help with the audio because sometimes it's all funky. You know, so traveling does end up, as you know, incurring extra costs. So we offset all of that on Patreon. So if you're getting something out of the Pork Fest trip and the content that came out of that, if you're getting something out of the Libertarian Party Convention podcasts uh, and the the conversations that I'm having at these events. And the updates, I was able to live tweet and live blog, essentially, uh, the National Libertarian Convention chairs debate and the vote and give thoughts that really nobody else. It was Matt Welch and I, Matt Welch of Reason, and I were tweeting out analysis of the, the chairs debate. So you guys are helping create a media outlet that is desperately needed by the libertarian movement. Um, you know, I have really had a great time. Uh, going to these two events, and it's given me a renewed confidence, to be honest, in We Are Libertarians and what we're doing, because we're doing something different. Uh, I love uh, all of my fellow podcasters, and you know, it's really cool to see each of these different podcasts do things in a different way. And you know, for instance, Mark Claire does. Mark Claire was at both events, and Mark was just knocking out interviews left and right with a ton of important people at these events. And so as I'm watching him do that on Sunday, I'm like, I don't, then I, I, I mean, he's got it covered because we have a lot of shared audience. So I'm going to let him do that and talk to those people. And then I'm going to just talk to some delegates and see what the general feel is, because I really want to give you a sense of what these events are like. Uh, and, you know, so if you want to make the decision to go, then you kind of have an idea. Uh, and I will be honest, it has really helped on the business end of We Are Libertarians. I've made a ton of connections with new people. Hopefully we have a ton of new listeners from the National Libertarian Convention. We handed out a ton of cards and free books, and we were able to, um, you know, Porkfest, I talked to several people who were interested in advertising. So it's just been great in making connections that will help with future content, future growth for We Are Libertarians, for building the, um, the community around this podcast that helps enrich your experience as a libertarian because you're making friends as you get involved in our discord and our facebook group at wearelibertarians.com you know as we grow this podcast you grow your friend circle so uh it's really important to become a patreon subscriber because i am putting all of that to these kind of adventures uh and and everything that just makes this go and so i just really thank everybody who is a patreon subscriber if you're thinking about doing it please i would uh I would really think long and hard, and it, tr trust me, it is it is uh, very uh, uncomfortable to ask people to take the money that they that they they worked hard for and uh, give it towards your efforts. But I'm so passionate about doing this. I'm so passionate about the content that I bring you. I'm so passionate about the friend group that has sprung up. I mean, 
you know, 20 people that listen to We Are Libertarians from around the country were kind of hanging out this weekend. And it's as a result of, you know, people that contribute on Patreon, quite frankly, because if I didn't have our patron support, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast anymore because it's gotten so big. Uh, we're, you know, third or fourth largest podcast be- behind Tom Woods and Jason Stapleton. And I imagine that Dave Smith has now passed us. Uh, you know, and so we're a pretty big podcast at this point, and there are a lot of costs that go with that. And so if it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for, for being a Patreon subscriber, for being a listener, for being a member of our Discord and Facebook group, for emailing me, for just even sharing stuff on the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and you know, just really uh, a great community, and I have loved every second of this weekend uh, getting to hang out with our listeners, and uh, I hope that, you know, next time we go to an event, I would love for you to come and say hi. Don't be like Mike McFarland, who was creep-shotting me for an hour before he finally come up, came up and said hi. Don't be afraid to approach me. Uh, uh, my next trip is, I, I actually... Uh, talked work into sending me to podcast movement because my day job and this are very much the same skill set very much the same tools uh i am the web director for a radio show so it's pretty much the same as building an online podcasting brand so i'm very excited to go to podcast movement in the next couple weeks in philadelphia and uh, i don't know that i'll do a we are libertarian show but you may check in on the chris bangle show feed i'm sure that i might do one of these little travel episodes for that and uh, give you some thoughts on the podcast movement convention Um, if you're interested like sarah in starting a podcast like i said the chris bangle show feed has a ton of content so with that i want to say thank you for listening thank you to paul copeland for hauling uh, a lot of promotional material down for us and to Kristen for uh, being my uh, basically my assistant. She wrangled me, as you heard. So uh, tune in to the next episode where we are going to continue our conversation about the convention. We're going to talk to a couple other people, including TJ and uh, TJ from Liberty Hangout and Arvin and uh, Travis Irvine and a couple funny stories. So tune in to the next episode of We Are Libertarians. Thank you for listening.